0: We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Godspeed, John Glenn. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. I feel out. Okay, I'm out. How does it feel for the United States to be the new record holder? At last, huh?
2: Hello and welcome, this is Michael Annis and you're listening to episode 310 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. And now, Apollo 14, Lunar Orbit.
0: Apollo 14 astronauts Alan Shepard and Edgar Mitchell are just hours away from their landing on the moon. A spaceship is whirling around the moon in a tight orbit, swooping just 10 miles over their planned landing spot. Their schedule calls for setting down on the moon at 4.17 a.m. Eastern Time, followed by a long moonwalk later tomorrow morning. The Apollo 14 crew swung into lunar orbit early this morning, and here were some of their reactions. First, Shepard. Well, it really is a wild place up here. Uh, it has all the gray, brown, um, white dark craters that everybody talked about before. It's uh, really quite a sight. I think the best description that the description comes to my mind, we mentioned this when we first looked at this site. It that it looks like a, a plaster mold that somebody has dusted with, with grays and browns. Uh, but it looks like a, like it's been molded out of plaster of Paris. Roger uh, We've got you in a 9.3 by 59.0. Okay, sounds pretty good. 9.3 by 59.0. Gotcha. I guess we can make it down from here tomorrow. CBS News live coverage of the moon landing begins at 4 a.m. Eastern Time and of the moon walk at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And for the first time, the pictures from the moon surface are supposed to be in color.
2: The first extended use of the service propulsion system engine on the command and service module was for lunar orbit insertion. Rusa later opined that this crucial maneuver defined whether or not a spacecraft would have a moon mission. Like other facets of the mission profile, it was a one-shot opportunity. Ed Mitchell was of the same frame of mind regarding lunar orbit insertion, and would recall that the minutes prior to ignition were tense, because for the first time, the crew would be on its own. Apollo 14 would be out of contact with mission control when the lunar orbit insertion burn occurred on the far side of the moon. This
1: is Apollo Control, 81 hours, 27 minutes ground elapsed time. Still one hour and nine minutes out from uh, lunar orbit insertion maneuver which will be a service propulsion system burned behind the moon. The time of ignition will be 82 hours, 36 minutes, 46 seconds. Burn time, 6 minutes, 12 seconds. Total delta V, or change of velocity, retrograde, 3,022 feet per second. This is calculated to uh, produce an elliptical lunar orbit with a paracenthian of 58.1 nautical miles and an aposynthian of 169.3 nautical miles.
2: Loss of signal occurred at 82 hours and 24 minutes ground elapsed time as Apollo 14 moved behind the moon.
0: Uh, 14 Houston. uh... Okay, we're about uh, 45 seconds now to LOS. Uh, We'll see you on the other side.
1: This is Apollo Control. We have had loss of signal as Apollo 14 went around the corner of the Moon for the first time. Coming up some 12 minutes from now on lunar orbit insertion
2: burn as the astronauts went around the far side of the moon they noticed that it seemed to be more rugged than the side that faced earth Rusa thought he knew what to expect from the moon but nothing had prepared him for what he saw just before lunar orbit insertion when a thin but enormous crescent moon loomed beyond the windows On the tape player, Sonny James' version of one of Rusa's favorite hymns, How Great Thou Art, began playing. The paradox of the first lines of the hymn, which were, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made, and the proximity of the barren moon's magnificent desolation, Had a profound effect on Rusa. He couldn't have asked for better background music. Ignition for lunar orbit insertion occurred about 82 hours into the mission and lasted for over six minutes, placing Apollo 14 into an initial elliptical orbit around the Moon, measuring approximately 200 miles by 69 miles. During the burn, the astronauts experienced about one-half of 1G, which felt unusual after several days of weightlessness. Still on the far side of the moon, the cabin grew dark and eerie, followed by the sudden burst of sunlight as they swung around the other side.
1: This is Apollo Control, 82 hours, 55 minutes in ground elapsed time. About 52 seconds away from acquisition of signal here as Apollo 14 comes around the moon on its first lunar orbit. We're standing by as uh, we await word of lockup with the signal from the spacecraft by the stations in the manned spaceflight tracking network. Thirty seconds. Twenty seconds. At AOS at Honeysuckle.
0: 14. Uh, go ahead, uh, fourteen. Okay, Farrell, we had an extremely fine burn, the burn report as follows. Burn time six plus one one, Visual zero point three plus zero zero W C minus seven point three fuel three five one oxidizer three four nine it's this is really a wild
1: place up here. Hey, Ron, you're not going
2: to believe this. It looks uh, just like the map. Hey, that's great, Stu. Next, the crew excitedly looked for craters they had encountered whenever their orbit brought them over the same location again. And at one point, Rusa referenced a classic 1968 science fiction movie, comparing it to his real-life observations as Apollo 14 soared over the moon, Rusa said, quote, This is really a 2001 epic. It's unreal, man. What a view, end quote. All three crew members worked on unpacking and mounting the huge high tech, high con camera. The lens alone was as big as the 18 inch hatch window. The Hikon had a motorized film transport and exposure control and its own timer. A frame counter was built into the -the state-of-the-art unit, and the operation of the camera included careful monitoring of how many frames of film were used. With the Hikon, Rusa had planned to take photographs that would show features of the moon less than 7 feet across. But, after about 140 frames had been shot, the film magazine in the HiCON suddenly began to make ominous noises. It was a mechanical grinding or ratchet-like sound emanating from its interior, but the photography continued. The frame count went to 180, then the noise stopped, only to pick up again once 240 frames had been taken. The noise would continue until the film magazine was used up 420 exposures, after which the crew did some troubleshooting, with Houston sending up advice. Rusa took 23 frames with a second magazine, after which the problem was put on the back burner. Because Rusa needed to prepare for the next burn of the service propulsion system, coming up at around 86 hours mission elapsed time. This burn was a new innovation in the flight plan and was actually supposed to have been accomplished for the first time on Apollo 13. In earlier flights, the orbit for the command and service module had been changed to a near-circular orbit of around 60 to 69 miles before the limb was to separate from the command and service module. This procedure had been known as the Lunar Orbit Insertion two burn, and though the orbit was slightly elliptical, the maneuver was still called the Circularization Burn. However, to save fuel for the lunar module, RUSA now made calculations for a radically different orbit, and Apollo 14 instead performed what was called a Descent Orbit Insertion Burn which was designed to bring the conjoined spacecraft down to a low point in an elliptical orbit of around 10.5 miles above the lunar surface that was about 310 miles short of the Framaro landing site. This new burn would occur about 86 hours into the mission and last for about 21 seconds
3: our ignition clock in mission control shows uh, fifty seconds away from scheduled time of ignition for the uh, descent orbit insertion burn and uh, if successful placing uh, Apollo 14 in an orbit uh, approximately uh, 58.8 nautical miles by 9.1 nautical miles we show twenty seconds away ten seconds five we should be burning at uh, this time if going according to plan. In the Mission Control Center the ignition clock uh, will shortly be switched to a second AOS clock giving uh, with these two clocks the uh, top one assuming a a no burn uh, early acquisition of signal the uh, bottom one an on time burn. The clocks have now been switched.
2: Of course, the descent orbit insertion burn occurred on the far side of the moon, so Mission Control had to wait until acquisition of signal before they could confirm a successful burn.
3: Apollo Control, Houston, 87 hours, uh, 12 minutes into the flight of Apollo 14. Our uh, countdown clocks in uh, Mission Control, uh, the uh, no-burn clock, uh, forty five seconds away now continuing to count on our on time burn clock uh, we show three minutes nine seconds away we'll stand by and watch as uh, we draw closer to a time of acquisition we've passed the early time and continuing to count our on time countdown clock shows two minutes eighteen seconds away from acquisition meanwhile in mission control uh, a uh, larger-than-usual turnout uh, for this hour. In the viewing room is Acting Administrator uh, of NASA, George Lowe, Manned Spacecraft Center Director, uh, Dr. Robert R. R. Gilruth. On the control room uh, floor, the backup crew of Apollo 14, uh, backup Commander Gene Cernan, Ron Evans, a backup command module pilot. Uh, Joe Engel, backup lunar module pilot. Rocco Patron, uh, director of uh, the Apollo program. Chris Kraft, uh, deputy director of the Manned Spacecraft Center. Sig Schulberg, uh, director of flight operations. Astronaut chief uh, Tom Stafford and director of flight operations Deke Slayton. They're all here. Thirty seconds away now, also in the viewing room uh, Dale Myers, associate administrator uh, of NASA for manned space flight and Dr. Uh, John Clark, uh, director of uh, the Goddard Space Flight Center. Ten seconds away now, standing by, this is Apollo Control, Houston. We have acquisition. Houston, Houston, over. Loud and clear, out A lot of people standing
0: by to hear how it went. Okay, the burn
2: went essentially normally. Burn time was 20.6 seconds. Mission Control advised RUSA that the periloon of the spacecraft's orbit was actually 46,000 feet, or 8.3 miles above the moon. A bit closer than planned, but safe and acceptable. Several hours later, after the lunar module began its descent, RUSA would boost the command and service module up to the circularization orbit that had been the standard for previous Apollo moon missions. Shortly after the descent orbit insertion burn, one of RUSA's country music cassettes was in the command module's music system as the crew continued their assigned task and the song Truck Driving Man emanated throughout the spacecraft keeping the mood lighthearted in spite of the intense preparation that was underway. Shepard observed that the tune was a good song. But later, music by Buck Owens and the Buckaroos rang out. Shepard asked, Do those guys actually sell any records of that stuff? He's got a TV show, Rusa replied, referring to Hee Haw, a music and comedy show starring Owens and guitarist Roy Clark. It's been on for several years. It's the hillbilly laugh-in, Russa continued. Owen's song, Tiger by the Tail, got a chuckle out of Shepard, and he said, Seems to be something I'm missing with this country music. With most of the prep work complete, in the 102nd hour of the mission, on the far side of the moon, Shepard and Mitchell pressurized and entered the lunar module to begin its pre-landing checkout, while RUSA mounted cameras at specific locations in the command module that would film the lunar module's separation and initial maneuvers.
1: This is Apollo Control, 102 hours, 21 minutes ground elapsed time. We're less than two minutes away from acquisition of signal as the Apollo 14 spacecraft still docked. Come around the front side of the moon again on this 11th lunar revolution. At this time, the lunar landing crew should have been in the spacecraft uh, for 10 or 15 minutes, beginning the power-up sequence and checkout of the lunar module, getting it prepared for the lander landing tomorrow morning. Which will be around 3:15 Houston time. Rather quiet in the control center as uh, the uh, flight controllers discuss among themselves the upcoming checkout of the lunar module. We've had CSM AOS. Let's stand by for the air-ground communications.
0: Kitty Hawk, Houston. Go ahead, Houston Kitty Hawk. Okay, uh, we're ready uh, with some uh, updates to Europe, uh, or uplink, rather, if uh, you can give us two and
2: accept. February 5, 1971. Preparations for separation were complete. Goodbyes and good luck wishes were expressed. Then Shepard and Mitchell exited the command module Kitty Hawk through the yard wide port in its nose and entered the lunar module which Mitchell had named Antares, the brightest of the stars in constellation Scorpio, which happened to be Shepard's astrological sign. The hatch in the tunnel closed, and Rusa was alone. Following further checkouts, Mission Control gave the go to undock the lunar module from the command module. This was a closely watched maneuver due to the previous problems with the docking probe. Mission Control provided instructions to the crew if there was a problem undocking.
0: Kitty Hawk and Terry's, uh, you have a go for uh, undock. Kitty okay, Hawk, yeah, Roger. Okay, and I'd just like to uh, reiterate some words I think you got passed uh, from Bruce uh, earlier. If the uh, nominal undock uh, does not uh, take place uh, after you get things uh, damped out again, uh, we need uh, 5 seconds of uh, minus X thrusting by both vehicles, and uh, Kitty Hawk should uh, call the uh, thrusting on and off. Okay, you want uh, 5 seconds. We are told 3 before, but uh, okay, we want uh, each one uh, minus 5 seconds while I'm holding the switch. That's a affirmed, Stu, and you should call the uh, on and off uh, command. Okay, and I'm gonna try the nominal uh, first. That's affirmative. Okay, and Terry, how do you read on box? I, uh, clear. Okay, Lundgren. Clear. clear. Okay. Uh, give me about uh, five seconds. Do need another five seconds? Okay. I'm showing ten. We'll make it fifteen. Okay, good. Are you ready, Alan? Okay, he's go. ready. We're ready. Go. Okay, you're moving out, we're and clear. you're hanging on the end of the probe. We'll wait till the motion stamp here. Okay, we seem real steady. I'm gonna back off from you. Okay, and we're free. Beautiful. We Very good. Okay, we hit a normal on top. Okay, yaw left 60, pitch up 90. Hey, okay, starting uh, left yard, too. Okay. okay. Well, you look mighty pretty
2: out there. As you heard, the lunar module disengaged and Rusa tweaked the command module's thruster slightly to put a bit of distance between the two spacecraft. Then he inspected the outward appearance of the lunar module, assuring that everything was in place and that the four legs of the landing gear were fully extended. Next, Rusa took photographs and made sure the movie cameras on board the command and service module were running properly as Shepard and Mitchell checked out the Lunar Module Reaction Control System engines. As final preparations for descent to the lunar surface were being made in Antares, Rusa fired the Service Propulsion System engine once again to boost Kitty Hawk into its circularization orbit to await the return of his two crewmates. This burn was also performed on the far side of the moon.
1: Toward the end of this revolution, uh, Stu Russo was given a go for the circularization maneuver that he will make, in some 24 minutes from now, the ignition clock counting down to the CSM burn, which will put the command service module back into a near-circular lunar orbit.
2: The occupants of Antares didn't see any flames coming from the service propulsion system, but did report seeing the Command and Service Module's tracking light. The Apollo 14 mission was the first to have separate CAPCOMs assigned to the Command and Service Module at specific times, once the Lunar Module and Command and Service Module had separated. The three primary CAPCOMs, one for each shift or team, were Gordon Fullerton for the Orange Control Team, Fred Hayes for the Gold Control Team, and Bruce McCandless for the Maroon Team. Ron Evans was the individual who pulled most of the time talking separately with Rusa on board Kitty Hawk while he was circling the moon solo. Also, Fred Hayes volunteered to be a Capcom for the Apollo 14 mission since it was the same mission as the failed Apollo 13 and he thought his training might be useful during the second EVA on the lunar surface, helping out with some of the field geology. However, before this could happen, problems on board Antares would come close to canceling the landing entirely. Salutations from the foothills of North Carolina. This is Michael Annis, your host, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to episode number 310 of the Space Rocket History Podcast, entitled Apollo 14, Lunar Orbit. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to bring it to you. If you're looking for old episodes of the podcast, the first 140 are available on the Archive Podcast. Search for Space Rocket History Archive. It should be available on all podcatchers. Had a few afterthoughts about this episode. Wow, didn't these last 10 episodes go fast? It seems like yesterday we were on the 300th episode and now we have already reached 310. That's just amazing to me. It seemed like it went so fast. Did you catch Walter Cronkite saying that the pictures of the moonwalk are supposed to be in color for the first time? Did you think that was kind of a dig at Al Bean for running the, ruining the color camera on Apollo 12. <laughs> well, I know Walter was really disappointed about that. How about all those 1960s pop culture references made by Russo? 2001 A Space Odyssey, Rowan and Martin's Laugh In, and of course, The Hee haw Show. I remember all that stuff. <laughs> Now, wasn't that an impressive roll call for all those present for the new descent orbit insertion burn? Which, of course, all the burns seemed to happen on the far side of the moon. So they had to wait until uh, acquisition of signal. But it was an impressive roll call. It was Robert Gilroof, George Lowe, the backup crew, Rocco Patron, Chris Kraft, Sojberg, Tom Stafford, Slayton, John Clark, the director of Goddard, and several more. Mighty impressive. Everybody wanted to know if this descent orbit insertion burn was going to work out well. I hope I explained that burn enough for you to understand what it was for. Essentially, it put Apollo 14 in an elliptical elliptical orbit where the low point was only 8.4 miles above the moon. So instead of getting started on the descent burn at 60 miles above the surface, the lunar module could start at 8.4 miles, which would be a big fuel savings for the lunar module. Okay, I hope that was clear. I have placed the pictures for this week's episode on the website, spacerockethistory.com. I hope you check that out. For those of you who are enjoying content provided here, You may have noticed that we don't have any commercial or ad revenue and we're entirely listener-supported. Please consider supporting the podcast if you're financially able. To support the podcast, go to the homepage, spacerockethistory.com. Click on the orange Donate button to make a one-time donation or the Patreon link to make small monthly donations. There are several rewards for doing so, including your name on the donor's page and your entry in the weekly giveaway. We were pleased to receive several contributions to support the podcast over the past week. Peter W. from Germany donated at the shuttle level and earned a shooting star emoji. Jim B. donated at the Gemini level. Jerry C. from Connecticut donated at the Gemini level. Sean R. from Ohio donated at the Vostok level. Alex B. pledged on Patreon at the Apollo level. Amy G. pledged on Patreon at the Soyuz level. And Richard O. pledged on Patreon at the Mercury level. Thank you for supporting the Space Rocket History Podcast. We are now at 236 patrons with a goal of reaching 300 by the end of 2019. That is a new high. Our total donors for 2019 have reached 382 with a goal of reaching 600 by the end of the year. For the 382 of you who have already donated for 2019, I certainly appreciate it. Here's Mrs. SRH with the weekly drawing.
4: Thanks, Mike. I want to tell our listeners what we've been up to this week. With the start of school fast approaching for our grandchildren, we crammed in some fun activities this week. Mike found a fantastic deal on model rocket kits at Hobby Lobby, so we built SD's model rockets with the grandkids then launched them. Do you know we had seven successful launches and recoveries? I was amazed. In our launch, launch locations, we often lose some to the treetops or rooftops. Of course, we had some makeshift repairs before and between launches, but it was all great fun. And now, for the winner of this week's drawing, we have something new. It is two Space Rocket History logo drink coasters. With the help of Google's random number generator, I selected David Runta. David Runta, if you would email us, mike at spacerockethistory.com, and tell us your address, we will mail this out to you. Thank you to all 382 of you who have contributed thus far in 2019.
2: I'm glad you mentioned that, Mrs. SRH. (laughs) We did have a great time with those model rockets. Okay, folks, that's all we have for this week. I will try to have episode 311 posted by next Thursday. So long for now.